Welcome to season four of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini and I will be your host. The season will be unique as we will be hosting guests from around the world who have been dealing with the impact of the coronavirus on their ability to care for orthopedic patients. They will share with us their personal stories, what they have learned, and their most resourceful solutions. The hope is to promote a shared understanding of the challenges the epidemic is posing to musculoskeletal care and to highlight the ingenious solutions that have been devised by our creative colleagues and their institutions. The best ideas when shared are amplified in their impact and beget even better ideas. So let's start sharing. Welcome back to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast Season 4, where we're interviewing orthopedic surgeons on the front line of the fight and the battle against COVID-19. And the battle we have followed across Europe, and now we're going to come to the United States. And one of the biggest focuses, actually, is in Seattle. We're fortunate here to have Jim Crutcher, an orthopedic surgeon working in an orthopedic hospital, big one, you'll hear all about a minute, in Seattle, who's been um, dealing with this pandemic for several weeks now. So welcome, Jim, to the podcast. Well, thanks, Stefano, for uh, having me. It's a pleasure to talk, and I'm happy to share with you our experience, uh, which seems to be evolving every day as it is everywhere else in the world. So it's kind of fascinating. I would say that what's fascinating is that the rate of change of information is almost mind-boggling. So, Jim, as I recall, you're at Swedish Hospital, which is a big hospital in Seattle, and you're one of the leaders there. And please tell us a bit more about the hospital itself, how big it is, how many cases you may do a year, referencing back to several months ago before all this started, and then walk us through what happened as the epidemic evolved, and then bring us back to where you are now. Sure. So, uh, Stefano, I work at the Swedish Orthopedic Institute in Seattle. We are a large specialty hospital, especially in orthopedic surgery. Uh, Like you, I'm a joint replacement surgeon. My practice I do hip and knee replacement surgery, primary and revision, and I do about, personally, about 500 cases a year. But in our institute, we have a number of surgeons, and we do uh, about 3,500 joint replacement cases per year. So it's a pretty high-volume place, and you visited there. We have a separate building that's separate from the main hospital. So we have, which has been designed really for doing inpatient orthopedics that was completed 12 years ago. We have an operating room with 10 ORs, large PACU recovery room. We have three floors of private rooms, a total of 84 rooms. And when we built the hospital 12 years ago, it was our pro forma was that the 84 rooms would match our needs. But in 12 years, as happened all across the country, the lengths of stay for our patients have decreased quite a bit from four or five days to about 1.5 days. And so we don't need all of those 84 rooms. And even before the COVID crisis hit, we were really just using two of the three floors of that institute building. So one of the floors had been converted to overflow surgery beds. But anyway, that's just kind of our baseline, very busy, Joint Replacement Institute in 
downtown Seattle with uh, excellent facilities, excellent equipment, excellent staff who are all specialized to take care of our patients. So it's a great place to work and a great place for our patients to receive care. And with respect to the coronavirus crisis, it's interesting. The first, as you may know, the first known case of COVID-19 was in a patient in the Seattle area. And it was about two months ago. There was a gentleman who had returned from traveling to Wuhan, China, and had flu symptoms, fever and cough and respiratory symptoms. And he presented to his primary care physician, and they had enough awareness about his travel history to work it up. And he was diagnosed with the coronavirus and was hospitalized in a hospital north of Seattle for about two to three weeks where he received treatment. I don't think he was ever severely ill enough to require being on a ventilator, but he was requiring hospitalization. So the first case of the coronavirus in the United States was diagnosed in January 20th. And I would say that it was a news item, but nothing that anyone really got too concerned about because this gentleman had a travel history to Wuhan, China. And, you know, he's there during the height of the epidemic there. And, you know, he came home with the disease. And so there wasn't much news about that other than this one person was being treated. And then about four weeks later, there was the outbreak in a nursing home outside of Seattle where a number of patients were sort of suddenly diagnosed with coronavirus. And this is a nursing home with about 80 beds. And there was a a lot of patients coming down with the flu symptoms. And no one really put two and two together at first. So this was happening for two to three weeks. And they had trouble kind of getting people's attention or maybe kind of putting two and two together. And so it wasn't really till a month after the first known patient in the United States that this outbreak occurred in the uh, nursing home. And that was about a month ago, end of February. And at that point, a number of patients have been taken to the hospital. And this, of course, is the nursing care facility where that has been termed the epicenter of the outbreak in the United States, although I'm sure it had multiple entry points. But unfortunately, Many of those cases were severe, and many have resulted in deaths of that population of an elderly, sort of debilitated population. They've had 35 deaths from that one facility alone in the last four weeks. And that was really the beginning of awareness that we had an epidemic and that there had been community spread of the virus because there was no known contact between patient number one and anybody in the nursing home. So that raised the alarms for everybody around here. We immediately started practicing some extra attention to our uh, safe hand washing techniques, et cetera, all the things that are being done across the country now. But uh, again, it's mind boggling to think that this was just four weeks ago that people were becoming aware of this epidemic in our area. And we thought it was confined to just one nursing home, but obviously it has spread elsewhere. So. Since that time, a number of things have been done. You know, our governor was fairly aggressive at trying to enact some policies to restrict the spread of the uh, virus. So first he banned 
gatherings of more than 250 people. I think that was two or three weeks ago. And then our hospital became aware that this was going to become an increasing problem. So we've been preparing for an onslaught of patients for the last three weeks. And I can tell you at our hospital about two weeks ago, we were informed that we should not be doing any surgery on patients who were higher risk or who might need to be in the hospital for a long period of time because of concern of occupying beds. And they've done some modeling to how many beds the hospital system would use or would require. So this is constantly studied every day. And then 10 days ago, we were told that all elective surgeries, including joint replacement surgery, would be curtailed. And that was a kind of a surprise. And then a week later, the governor proclaimed a moratorium on all elective surgeries of any kind in any facility, including ASCs, until May 18th. And so that's where we are now. And now it's any, we are avoiding any elective office visits. Our uh, office has really been shut down. Now we're doing virtual visits by telephone and starting to ramp up on some virtual health platforms, which you can talk about in a minute. But it's really kind of hit home. We have every day sort of increasing numbers of patients in our hospital who are either under investigation or positive for the virus. The Orthopedic Institute that I described earlier has been turned into the COVID-19 hospital for our system. So all three floors, 84 beds are designated for COVID patients. One floor is for positive patients. One floor is for patients under investigation. We have patients filling the ICU across the street, which is connected by a sky bridge with COVID patients and on ventilators. And we have shut down our operating room. So our 10 operating rooms are completely closed down. All the anesthesia machines have been moved into the fairly spacious recovery room, and that is set up now as an overflow ICU, which will probably start seeing patients in a few days because I think there's two beds left in the ICUs in the main hospital. So we're seeing, I would say, the steady growth of patients. It's not quite as calamitous a scene or as frightening a scene as we've seen in other parts of the world, and we hope it doesn't quite get to that point. They've been tracking, it's hard to track the growth of the spread of this virus because if you look at testing, it's that's such a moving target because we're doing a lot more testing now. So even if we're seeing more cases, it may be a result of more testing and it doesn't really reflect the severity of disease in these patients. But the numbers we can kind of hang our hat on are the deaths and we're up to 95 in the state of Washington now. Again, 35 of them were from the one nursing home. 75 of those 95 deaths are in King County, which is the county where Seattle is. The number of hospitalized patients is a number we can track. And about two weeks ago, that number was doubling every four days. And the doubling rate has actually decreased a little. So now it's out to five days. So that's a little glimmer of hope that maybe some of the measures that have been instituted, the social distancing and the closing down of all restaurants, bars, and public meeting places. Maybe this is having a little bit of a slowdown effect on the spread of the virus. So that's encouraging. So that's the state of where we are as of today. But like all across the nation, this seems to be changing 
on a daily basis. I feel like we have been able to get resources to take care of these patients. We're prepared for more patients. They have set up, as you know, we had actually petitioned to have the Naval Hospital ship anchor out in front of Seattle, but this was diverted to Los Angeles. So now we are setting up field hospitals, military-type field hospitals in various places in the around Seattle. There's a high school soccer field that now is the home to a 100-bed field hospital that was built last weekend. Yet to see patients, as far as I know, but being prepared. The, the modelers, the epidemiologists who are modeling the growth of this epidemic predict that the peak will occur in about four weeks, so about the end of April in our area. But that was as of Friday of last week, so these numbers may change as things change, but that's the current state of affairs at our hospital. That's a clear and succinct perspective on that, and it shows uh, some planning, some thinking, some getting ready for the worst and hoping for the best. It also sounds like the population is heeding the requirements or requests to stay at home, and that the impact of those measures seems to be showing up. I mean, this doubling time decreasing is definitely interesting. The Some of the very interesting models that I've seen show what an impact I mean, it can have a massive impact to stop this thing in the bud early to the point where almost you don't have those huge spikes that we've seen elsewhere. Okay, Dr. Kutcher, Jim, thank you so much for that insight because you're extremely clear, extremely succinct. Uh, I think we got everything we need to hear about the situation in Seattle. Again, one of the hotspots in the United States, but at the same time, it seems like the population and the healthcare infrastructure is ready should anything come. And with any luck, uh, by having moved uh, relatively quickly or quickly enough, we hope you may have the opportunity to stem this. So thanks again for participating, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you, Stefano, for having me on your podcast. Uh, let's hope that everybody stays healthy and we'll get through this. Awesome. Thanks again, Jen. Talk soon. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I'm Dr. Stefano Bini. If you have comments or feedback or ideas for future podcasts, please contact me at stefano at docsf.health. S-T-E-F-A-N-O at docsf.health. D-O-C-S-F dot health. And while you're at it, you can check out the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco and all the content we have on that website. I wish each of you, your families and coworkers, a safe transition through this epidemic. Hopefully the information you heard today will give you both a greater appreciation for the challenges posed by the coronavirus and ideas for how to combat it. If you like the podcast, please share it with your friends and post about it on social media. If the man is there, more stories will be forthcoming. And if you're on the front line delivering care, thank you very much. See you on the next episode.